G'day and welcome to this week's segment of Farm Yarns where we dive behind the audio to find out who inspires our guests, what motivates them, what they would like to debunk and also what resources they lean on to get the most out of their agri-business. So let's get down to it, Farm Yarns. Well, Pete, we had you on earlier on in the week talking everything, KSOH, what's happening in the street in the industry and what you're excited for but today the listeners can actually find a little bit about who pete mccann is and what inspires motivates him or what resources he probably leans towards so welcome to farm yarns thank you thank you for having me so let's kick it off for gm what's your morning routine how do you get it started (laughs) um well i have two very um i guess uh what would you call it i wouldn't call it playful but very um full noise pups dogs that wake me up every morning one being a belgian malinois which is a kind of a police dog yeah. uh, and another one a kelpie so usually it's a six thirty stroll around the farm just to let them stretch their legs um and then usually a coffee and, and a quick review of my evening emails because being a being a global company, there's always a region awake somewhere asking asking something or, or requesting something. So we get onto those. Um, and then really, since it used to be in the office every day um, for pretty well ten years, um, and then the last three years I've been fortunate enough to be banished from the office um, and um, up at my little farm just out of Gloucester. So. It's a beautiful place to work. Um, all the international people always comment on the bird noises in the background and et cetera. Um, but I think it's it's good because you you do get a little bit of that work-life balance. You know, obviously, as I said before, being an international company, we have a lot of calls at random times, whether it's 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. or, or 10.30 at night. Um, so you are pretty well on call 24 hours a day. Um, but I guess coming off a farm, as most of your listeners will know, you've kind of been built into that work ethic. Um, you know, it's it's all, there's always something happening somewhere. Um, and then it's, you know, a mixture of conference calls um, with teams. Uh, I, th- I definitely think I'm a little bit more blind than I was <laughs> three years ago um, from sitting in front of a computer. And then, uh, you know, probably every couple of weeks I'll get to travel, um, as I said, uh, on the previous uh, interview, I, I was lucky enough to go down to Longford to see the Stigers that are going to Antarctica, um, which is just an awesome, you know, to win that tender. Um, and that was a three-year, pretty well a three-year discussion um, with about a 12-month cover-off from the tender. To win that was fantastic. They've actually got machines down there already. Um, and just to see how, uh, with the modifications that we make, you know, we put 4,000 litres of fuel on it um instead of a thousand liters you know the tracks are different they'll have ice spikes in them it's it's just a true testament i think to the steiger and just the hair and then tying back to the heritage you know in 1957 the two brothers went well we need a tractor and no one builds one big enough so we'll build one and look at where it is now um those machines are actually are used on every continent on earth which i think that's what gives me a buzz. I, I feel very proud about the KSIH uh, brand and its heritage. Um, so, yeah, I guess I see myself as the, as the true protect, protector of the brand in Australia and New Zealand um, and working with, you know, our growers and the, and the producers and obviously my team. Um, and whether that team sits from a product marketing to a, 
to sales, to service, to our warranty guys and girls. Um, you know, it's a, it, it is a huge, you know, team effort from that point of view. Absolutely huge feat, and especially to get those three Tigers across from Tasmania down to Antarctica and the modifications mm. you would have had to do there. But a very interesting sort of morning routine that you've got there, Peter, and it seems to be working out for you to keep everything in balance, um, having that work-life balance, but also when you're on call 24-7. Let's bring it back to your farm and your first farm experience. What was your first farming memory that you can remember? Oh, I think as as some of your listeners will probably have a giggle, it's the good old days of picking up sticks and rocks. So I used to hate it. And my father would say to me, my father wouldn't actually speak to me until about 11 o'clock because he said I was in no mood to have a conversation. So we go out and, you know, cleaning paddocks and, and et cetera. And my family farm is a mixed farm. So um, as I said in the previous interview, my father's an animal husbandry farmer, I suppose. Um, I was never a fan of stock or horses. Um, they have their own mind, at least if machinery, you make a mistake, it's you. You're in control as best as we think we are. Um, so, yeah, I was never a, a, a real animal person. I did, I did do um, uh, 12 months in the Territory on a, on a station, um, chasing cows and driving graders and et cetera out on the, the edge of the Tanami Desert, which was a very... Um, uh, I guess, uh, informative few year, uh, year, I should say. Um, but just trying to understand all the different areas of farming, you know, you kind of forget about how hard those girls and guys do it out there um, to being, you know, where I sit now, I'm seven Ks from town. If you forget milk, you go in and buy it. It's, it's, it's pretty easy. Um, but yeah, definitely the, the, the sticks and chasing cows and branding and, and just doing all that was, yeah, it was fun, I guess. I learned a lot <laughs> from but that point of And back into machinery where you where you belong. Mm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And my sister still runs the farm now. Um, our farm wasn't quite big enough to support three families. So um, when uh, I think my father worked out, I didn't really like cows or sheep. I, I put my hand up and said, well, I'll go and get a job. Um, and my sister is definitely a, 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 an animal farmer from that side of it, to put it bluntly, um, where she hates machinery. So I still go back to the farm uh, whenever I can to help out, uh, depending on whether we're cutting hay or, or stuff like that. So it's they, they still get my free labour from that point of view. Great family dynamic there. But for yourself, who would be your most influential person that you're inspired by? Oh, that's a good question. Um, More personally. Yeah, uh, I, I guess I've always, I've always been a big fan of Richard Branson. Um, I think what he did um, pretty well starting off uh, with not a lot and then, you know, launching, a, launching an airline and, and et cetera was, was crazy, you know, with what he did. And, and one of his comments were, you've got to be prepared to risk it all if you want to make it all, um, which, yeah, was, was, is very impressive. And he's now got um, Virgin chips as well. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, and well, and I think he built a brand. I guess I am, I am a very big, uh, I guess, advocate of the KCH brand. I think our 180 year heritage is is just phenomenal, um, and the innovation that we brought to the market and we continue to bring to the market. So, and innovation always comes with risk. 
um, like anything. Um, you know, usually second and third get it a bit easier than first because first has worked out all the problems. Um, so, yeah, it's always interesting. Sorry about that. I had to let those two dogs out. Yeah. Good, good thing didn't perk up just before in the last episode so we can get it away now. Yeah. For yourself, what's a myth you'd like to debunk about the machining industry? Oh, I think, I think, um, I, I guess I take some of some of our customers' comments a little too personally occasionally. Um, I'm sure your your viewers, or your, sorry, your listeners will, um, if they get onto my Twitter account, scroll, scroll back in time. There's a lot of pressure of parts and etc. Um, and I think I might have had a little bit of a flame out. Um, but in saying that, I guess what I would like the, the listeners to understand is, you know, 80% of the people that work for Case IH are farmers in some way, shape or form. They either come off a farm. So we understand the struggles. We understand the frustration um, from whether it be not having parts or, you know, something doesn't work or something breaks. Because everything breaks. It's machinery. It doesn't matter what it is. It will break at some point. Um, no one's ever built a, a 100% foolproof one um, machine, that is. So I think I, I take a lot of it to heart because um, I am very protective of the brand and, and I do want to ensure that our our producers are well looked after. Um, as I said, I've had agriculture in my veins forever and, and it, is, it is really... Um, it's not really a job. It's more of an obsession, I think, personally. I think once you're in, you're in. Um, I would love to understand how we could bring more people in because I think sometimes we we get a bit of a bad rap in the cities, you know, oh, the farmers complaining, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I think it's a great way. It's a great industry to be in. Like, there's not many industries you get to go out, uh, you know, be outside, feed the world, you know, and it's in a very important part. And I think it was highlighted really well in COVID. You know, the world got very scared that we were not going to have enough food. And I think agriculture took a step up the up the ladder from an important side of it, um, which, you know, ideally I'd like a different way to do that as opposed to having a global epi uh, epidemic. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think we are people. Um, as far as I'm concerned, I am the brand in Australia and New Zealand um, and we do everything possible to try and make sure those wheels are turning. Absolutely. Yeah. Great point. And a good one to debunk there as well, especially in the high demand times that we are in and now agriculture needs to perform on that as well. But for yourself, you mentioned it just before with Richard Branson. How do you look at risk in work and life? What's oh, I'm probably, I'm probably a bit of a risk taker, I guess. Yeah. Um, I'm not a punter. I don't. Uh, I didn't even buy a ticket in 160 million last week, which I was slightly disappointed about. I probably should have remembered that. Um, but I, I think you, you know, that that comment that Richard made, I think, kind of embodies Case H to a certain point because you know we did bring out an act, the actual flow. You know, that was a very different combine than anyone had ever seen before. Um, you know, we built the, we invented the quad track again, that, you know, we went through a lot of pain when we bought that machine. I'm sure some of your listeners would have had old 9380s back in the day that couldn't keep rubber tracks on them. 
but we learnt a lot as well. Um, but I think some of those early adopters got the benefit, you know, and said, oh, wow, this thing, the flotation's fantastic, there's no compaction, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that whole mantra really sits well with Case AH. We are definitely innovators. Um, you know, we want to we want to push the envelope and that's what excites me about the, the autonomy side of it. Um, and I can guarantee to all the listeners that I am pushing harder than I've pushed on anything globally within our business to be, so, to do some of the first testing, to, to have the opportunities first. Cause I think our producers will grab it with both hands. Um, and I think it's the next level of, of um, productivity. Yeah. You know, is, is is kind of controlling what is uncontrollable for us, which is labour. Yeah. Um, you know, there was the old reason when we first bought out that ASV, I remember a gentleman coming up to me and saying, you know, you, um, you're going to put a heap of people out of work with this. And, uh, and I always referred it back to, you know, when they used to, in the logging industry, it took two people and a cross-cut saw to cut a tree down and then they invented the chainsaw and it takes one person. Yeah. It's just, it's evolution. It's, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to fix a problem that is not going to fix itself, i.e. labour, um, from that point of view. Yeah, a huge thing to look at for labour and improving that sort of scenario for farmers is going to be a big thing and is also a big thing. But for yourself, what's one tool that you can't live without? Oh, I, I, I wouldn't call it my... Uh, from a work point of view or a personal point of view or both? Let's, let's go personal and then maybe. Oh, okay. So personal, my one tool I couldn't live without is my little farm because it is about the only place I can escape. Um, and, you know, I don't have any stock here, um, hence my previous comments to animals. Um, but I mow for about 12 hours and it's bliss. It's lovely. It's, I'm mowing, it's a beautiful lawn, it's about 35 acres of mowed lawn, looks like a golf course. Um, and then from a, um, from a business point of view, um, as much as I hate to say it, would probably be my phone. Um, I would, I, you know, they have, they have the stats of your daily usage. I look at those sometimes and go, this can't be healthy. Uh, this cannot be healthy. But um, in saying that, you know, that's probably the one biggest thing. Um, and then oh, I do hats off to Mr. Elon Musk for his uh, Starlink. I have that here. And if that wasn't here, I don't have any phone service. I wouldn't be able to sit here in this lovely environment and actually work. So I, said, I think we'll be looking in for our farm as well for Starlink to see how it can improve oh, activity. Yeah, astronomical, the speeds. The reliability still drops out now and then, but the speed is just phenomenal. Unbeaten. Yeah. Have you always wanted to be in agriculture? Uh, yeah, I think so. I did a bit of, I, I always loved operating machinery. Like I've got a truck license. I'm, I'm an avid motorbike li rider. I think I've got about nine motorbikes. Um, I'm just, I'm happy to riding a mower, driving a golf cart. I've always been a machinery, which I think was, as I said, always frustrated my father. You know, if anyone in the region needed help for harvesting, I'd be like, I'll drive you ahead. Um, so yeah, I think it was a little bit, uh, it is actually his birthday today. So I, I think he was a little bit, um, a little bit upset with that. But it's, you know, I've always been interested in mechanics and how stuff works. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a horsepower junkie. There's no doubt about that. 
And speaking of horsepower, what's your favorite piece of KSH machinery? What's your go-to that you just super proud of, but also like to look at, operated it maybe? Probably, probably the sprayer. I wouldn't say a quad track, but probably the sprayer. That the the Patriot sprayer, it would be one of our flagship products or yeah. the flagship product. Um, you know, we've kept very strong to our heritage there from all in the old days of uh, Tyler when we purchased it. Um, and I think if you talk to any of our growers, you know, the, we've the, there's usually a we may not have any other equipment on the farm, but there will be a sprayer. Um, you know, and I think it's we're spending so much time in that now. Um, probably not as much as we used to, depending on the year, but the job it does is is just next to you know next to none. So it's it's fantastic to see those run around the place. And then you know you look at a quad track. Well, that's just pure horsepower and every bit of it to the ground um, from that side of it. Yeah, I think that's a good pick because we saw it at AgQuip um, up there on demo. For the crowd to see, and like we don't have self-propelled on our own farm, so it's pretty cool to see something so big. Um, what's working for Broadacre and everything, and where it's going as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I think there's such an important piece in the in, you know, you can plant the crop on time, and you know, if you miss your spraying window, you know, the damage that does on the on the yield can be enormous. So, uh, it is a very important. I guess, piece in the puzzle. 100%. And also, what's your favourite motorbike that you've got in the shed? Oh, yeah, that's that's a tough one. That's between a BMW and a KTM. Right, kind of different, kind of different, but the same. Um, but then I have a Ducati Street Fighter sitting in my lounge room, so which my wife is obviously not overly happy yeah. about, but yeah. you gotta, you got to look after them. Um, but, yeah, probably the BMW, I think. I've, I've ridden all over Europe on that. Um, but then in same, I've taken the, a KTM 450 dirt bike from Sydney to Kununara via the Tanami. So um, with one of my employees of all, of all people. So, um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, again, it's another escape. You know, you're in that helmet. You're very, you're very free. Good. Yeah. yeah well, we might have to tee up a ride one day. That'd be good. Oh no, we can do that. We used to, we actually, the boys in down South in Tamora used to do crop tours once a year. So there'd be, 20 or 30 uh, motorbike riders or farmers and we go and tour everyone's crop. It stopped when COVID start, uh, hit, but I think they will get it up and going. And it was great. It was a great event. Yeah, that'd be the go. I actually did think in 2017, so you can't oh, yeah. on the horse. Yeah, nice. That's impressive. But yeah, I haven't been to the Fink yet. I, I haven't. I've ridden up it, but I haven't been there at race day. So one day. I've never actually been there to watch it. So I just went there to ride it for the first time and, yeah, okay. Whoops, just get, get bigger and bigger. Yeah, it's crazy. For yourself, a bit of a um, productivity hack that you've got working behind the scenes. What works for you to improve your daily routine? I think it's being very rigid with your daily routine. Yeah. So I, I think for me, you know, again, my daily routine at the farm with my two dogs, you know, they like consistency um so they know when they get up where they're going what they're doing um and i do the same thing in work you know i'll sit there especially with i guess for me is email management you know making sure i i clean that email and you know you're cleaning up to a thousand emails uh making sure everyone's you know got the answers they need and etc um there's always stuff that falls through the crack but uh, cracks but i think that's just life we're so time poor 
Um, but I think, again, the preparation side of it, then for events and stuff, it's all about the prep. The more prep you can do, um, the better. You know, you kind of align it with flying a helicopter. You don't just go and jump in and hit the gas and go. You do your preparation and make, make sure you have a safe flight. So uh, that's very important. Beautiful. That was a good one. And if you weren't doing what you're doing, what would you be doing? Oh, probably selling motorbikes or, or yep. something to do with, yeah, there'd be some horsepower in it somewhere, somewhere along the line for sure. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely couldn't do the, the nine to five in the office. I think the, the good thing about this job is you are given so much of ownership of it. Yeah. Um, and it's a massive company, you know, CNH Industrials, close to the tune of 40,000 employees in, in every corner of the world. Uh, the opportunity just to grow is, is huge. You know, you can pack your bags and move to America and you'd have a job for life. So, um, yeah, I think, I think it would definitely be something with, with horsepower for sure, somewhere along the line. Good stuff. And are you a book reader? Have you read uh, No, more of a podcast listener, actually, to be honest. <laughs> What's your go-to podcast that you listen to? Oh, maybe the true crime ones. I think of trying to work out the work out what's happened to who, and and um, I've just been I've nearly finished one. I think it's called In Your Backyard, which is a very well known one, which I found. Um, and I think you know, especially with some of the kilometres we do, I do drive a lot, not necessarily fly like we're going to Moree or Queensland and etc. And if I do get a window where I don't have a meeting, I have to be on. I actually do that just to again keep the mind fresh and, and be thinking about something else for half an hour. Great stuff. Well, Pete, thank you very much for coming on to Farm Yarns, getting to know a little bit more about you. I think it's pretty good insight to see what the GM of KSIH is doing across Australia as well. No worries, Jack. Thank you very much for the invite. It was great having a chat. You can't actually see what I'm wearing for every conversation, but... Be sure I'm wearing a Farms of Ice Green, as I like to call it, kindly supplied by Stockman & Co. By the farmers for the land. Jason and the team over there do a stellar job, so check them out at stockmanandco.com. Get some quality work shirts, footy shorts, hats and more for this summer. Make sure you use the discount code that they supplied just for Farms of Ice listeners. Farms of Ice, 10. Make sure you get into it. This Farms Advice episode does not stop here. Come and join the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok, and even join our Facebook group. Go to farmsadvice.com.au for more on this episode and spread the hashtag Farms Advice to your mates. If you can leave a review on Apple or Spotify, that will let other farmers find us too. But until then, see you next Tuesday. In the spirit of reconciliation, the Farmswise podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander people today. <laughs>